Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. My name is Alex Q, and welcome to the eighth episode of Miscast. Pete and Repeat were in a boat, and Pete fell out. Who was left? <laughs> Pete and Repeat were in a boat, and yeah. Pete wow. fell out. Who was so left? Repeat. 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 Oh no, you're going to say it again. And repeat, we're in a boat. (laughs) 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 We've sunk sunk to a new low. (laughs) This is our eighth episode, where each episode, using the expertise of my superstar co-hosts and special guests, we will discuss tabletop topics that we hope will help improve your generalship expertise and enjoyment of your gaming experience. It's the podcast that will talk nonsense and sense, including the titles. And it's the podcast that's been enjoying video game accents after finding out that this podcast's own microphone can do sound modulating effects. No. Oh, yeah, baby. Wonderful. um, I've got a really random... I've been been wanting to tell somebody this story for ages, but um, I've got a really random video game accent. Uh, little little ditty for you. If you I'll want. go for it because that was the first bit I was going to start talking about. So you go first. So my neighbour, I live in quite a heavy sort of like Turkish community. My neighbour next door, Levant, he is a Turkish um, estate agent. He is the voice of Batman in the uh, what Batman computer games. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So did that, how did that even come out in conversation? I don't know, but if anybody wants a um, a signed copy, then you know, go to a tournament with your Turkish version of I don't know Gotham or whatever it's called, 
And um, I'll, I'll get that signed by the man himself. <laughs> the dark is he the, Owen, is he the chap that I tried to get in his car? I don't know what that refers to, Darren. But no, no, when, I was, when, I was, when I stayed at yours and Adam, someone was coming to pick us up, I tried to get in. <laughs> I tried to get in somewhere. It was your neighbour's car. And I, it was, I believe it was a Turkish chap. <laughs> I, tried, I tried. I opened his door and he was like, yes. <laughs> was like, did, he sound, did he sound like Batman? <laughs> yeah, was he was he wearing a was he wearing a mask and did he have ears and did he have a big swear to me? Did he say stuff like that? Like Watch your vehicle. Um, yeah, exactly. No. Wow. So you're basically you know someone famous. I do. Yeah. Apart from you and Darren and Phil, obviously. Um, yeah, obviously. obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I know one other famous person, and it's Turkish Batman. That is oh, not well. a story. That is not a story I was expecting. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting to tell it either. <laughs> oh, my my video game accent stories are nothing like this one because just just because it's been a. I was reviewing the year. You know, I have a, happy New Year, everyone. By the way, um, I was reviewing yes. the year. You know, everyone does like the year and what you've been doing, what video games you've been playing, and it was like Call of Duty and uh, God of War. If you know what I'm talking about, if you're listening, um. And I just, as I was playing like Call of Duty, you know, if you play, have you any of you played Call of Duty? Do you know what even I'm talking about? Yeah, not for a long time, but yes, I was a I was a World at War fan. That was my my, my favorite one. But they always have these like weird mission things where um, they can't say like the nation or the people you're fighting because obviously they don't want to piss everyone off. So they can't be like you're invading China or something. Like so, they come up with these random ass like make-believe countries that don't exist with random-ass make-believe languages. And it's always some random cockney soldier who's just standing there being like, oh, we got to go destroy the missiles from Brubba-lubba-lubba-stan. You come with me. Once we, once we get to the top, you're going to have to take out Araka Bashalala. And you're like, what, what are you talking about? It just got, sent, me in a, <laughs> sent me in a spiral into video game accents. So, yeah, that's why I thought I'd bring it out. Um, I don't have a video game accent, but I've got my favourite board game accent. Accent? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Do you, I'm showing my age here, but do you remember the board game Atmosphere? Phil won't remember it. Yes. Right. Okay. So, for people that are younger than <laughs> 40, 40. Um, <laughs> 40, it was yeah. a board game you played and you put a video in your VCR and you'd have your telly on and you'd play this. this um, this video as you were playing but it would be all quiet and then like 15 minutes into the game or you know randomly throughout the game like this figure would appear on the the tv and he would go whose turn is it next (laughs) 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 and he would like he'd scare the shit out of you and and i've done that i've done that impression like my entire well my entire childhood and adult life because i absolutely love it great (laughs) oh yeah it's one of those it's like a like a monty python almost the bridge dude yeah but wow yeah i love the atmosphere (laughs) does does anyone remember that how what do you think of my impression like 20 i don't know i've never seen atmosphere owen I mean, I've seen Darren do that impression before and, <laughs> and had no fucking clue what he's talking about. No, I know no. what Atmosphere was, but I wasn't as big an Atmosphere stan as others could be, obviously. But Darren commits, as with most things in life, Darren fully commits to that accent and it's pretty, pretty damn glorious. You don't do things by half, son. That's nah, what my dad's always told me. 
Oh, that's like the call. Did your dad do the voiceover for Call of Duty? Because that's exactly what the Call of Duty did. <laughs> that's that's all all like. <laughs> Phil, atmosphere? No clue? Atmosphere? No, not a clue. And I'm about as monotone. That's fine. As I don't know what he's talking so... about either. It's <laughs> on for me. Well, you're on the wrong podcast, I'm afraid, for that one. Because in comes some Welsh accents to come up. Um, I will do some... I might throw in some voice sound effects throughout the podcast, just for shits and giggles. Oh, so please do. We'll Brilliant. We're we evolving. Excellent. We are I'm evolving, hoping. exactly. Right. Enough of accents for now. Um, I get, let's, get some, uh, let's get some introductions going. So you've heard, you've heard the sexy serenades already. He screams, he shouts, he shouts football, he calls people perverts. He goes by <laughs> at Positive Victim on Twitter. It's Darren Watson. Hello, Darren. Hello, lovely. You're right. I, I'm I'm beaming. I'm beaming. I've had a I've had a lovely start to the year. Lovely Christmas. Oh yeah. Um, we've got we've got my good friend Big Phil on. I'm very very pleased to be here. Yeah yeah, absolutely beaming, brother. And you were talking about your um your charity uh, stuff just before we started recording. Ah um, uh, yeah, I've been um. So I was last year on Twitter, if I made a typo, I would hashtag livid, livid on it. And then I committed to I made the mistake of saying, right, every time I'm livid now until the end of the year, I'm going to I'm going to spend 10 pounds and give it to charity. And I was livid and it was in the hope that I would pay more attention to my tweets and make making less typos. Um, But in six months, I made to my count 38. (laughs) (laughs) I was livid 38 times, but I got to the end of the year and it was a bit of a struggle financially because of the, the cost of living crisis. And I, I work in life insurance. Quick plug, if you need life insurance or critical illness or income protection, do come my way. You get a free impartial service. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, but I um, it, It's been a bit difficult towards the end of the year because um, people are getting less mortgages and obviously, yeah. Um, you know, life insurance is sort of tied up to mortgages, etc. Um, so I, I just didn't have 380 quid. But what I did have was, you know, I've got I've got a bit of time um, because I've got less life insurance work to do, etc. So I, I just put up on Twitter, I'll do I'll do 380 pounds worth of one to ones to to make up for it to make sure that I do, you know, do this commitment. And that works out at about 16 hours of my time so i offered 16 one-to-one slots i've actually ended up doing 23 because <laughs> i don't like saying no to people i've done 18 of them i've got five to go um and we, we're wow. on track to make about 500 quid which i'm really really pleased with so wow, thank you very much job. for everyone that's donated it's really nice as well people are donating to like dog charities and um someone's um donated to like the lifeboat the lifeboat chaps who do oh yeah, I, I wasn't confident in what the, the letters were, so I didn't. <laughs> I just Hashtag levid. <laughs> I've got it wrong. You've got it wrong, by the way, Alex. Yeah, it's R-N-L-I, not R-N-L-I. Oh, disaster. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm going to have to do a charity thing. Then. Exactly. Immediately donate £1,000 to the uh, National... What is it? Royal National Lifeboat, Lifeboat. Institute. Should be heroes. Bloody bloody absolute loves, aren't they? Um so you know, so people have been donating to all sorts of charities. I even did um, one of the um, international teams. So I had an entire team 
like oh nice and, yeah it was and that was that was really fun you know we delved into like team composition and you know what you should be doing sort of list wise and, and that sort of stuff well, which i helped I, you helped another team darren yeah I, I, i'll help anyone like i think if we uh, was it a rising tide lifts every ship like i, I think that's the the way to get better um and yeah it was like it was loads it's been loads of fun so i've got five to do i think by my count but i've been yeah been just been really busy <laughs> no no that sounds good that sounds awesome though yeah um, I'm, really, I'm really pleased yeah awesome um and your christmas new year's was all right all good otherwise fantastic so yeah christmas was good um because we're you know we limit what we can eat we're idiot vegans let's say um people put themselves under too much pressure to try and appease us and they often also get it get it wrong it's <laughs> some cabbage i'll give you i'll give you some context like my, my mother's first christmas present for me was some milk chocolate and i was like mum you'd yeah thank you very much but you know it's it's milk chocolate it's got milk in it i'm trying to avoid eating milk and she was like oh it's okay darren you know she sort of winked at me you know with and she thought alex was out of shot it's just chocolate it'd be fine i was like okay mum thank you very much you know and then halfway through the year i tried a different tact and just told her that i prefer dark chocolate to milk chocolate i had to go with that the next year she bought me a, a bracelet um made of leather <laughs> <laughs> and then and the next year she bought you a cow the, well wow. close the next year she went i've nailed it this year darren and she she gave me some slippers and she was stroking them she was going oh they're so soft and they were made of sheep's wool <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I, don't, I just i just think she comes from a generation that just thinks it's a weird phase you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, basically this year we were like right we're not going to go and impose on anyone because people find it stressful and we, we we don't we're not this way to try and stress people out big as well so on boxing day we had my favorite meal of the year which is um, um mashed potato some cold meats obviously we buy alternatives and some and some beans we have that every year my son comes around and we go see my folks um but my, my mum again this year she my dad tasked her with the task of getting some oat milk for the for the mashed potato mm-hmm. and she came back with um an oat drink and when he went to put it in it was a chocolate milk drink <laughs> <laughs> So you had, just please tell me you had chocolate mashed potatoes. No, no. Oh, we just we just pissed ourselves laughing and and like my mum went. Well, I don't know. She's from she's from the north, bless her. Um, yeah, There's the accent as it started um, already. <laughs> and then um, um, Boxing Day was actually our tenth anniversary. Hooray! Um, we ten years, and uh, I tried Viagra for the first time. And that was quite an adventure. Nice. Um, yeah, we nice. went. Got it. Got it was got it, got uh, it. uplifting, was it, Darren? Yes, yeah, it was uplifting. Well, it was quite. I'm, I'm not sure how to rate it because we were, we were warned by one of the Bruce's gave it to us. I won't disclose. I won't disclose who. Um, oh, I bet I could warned, guess. Make sure that you use it correctly. You know, don't be too drunk. Let's say. And Alex proceeded to get a little smashed <laughs> on the, on the, um, on the meal that we, that we sort of went to, and it was it, like we had a, a lovely time. I was very pleased. I, I probably managed sixty percent more pumps. So yeah, very, Brilliant. very pleased with that regard. <laughs> Brilliant. Alex sort of. <laughs> Alex just sort of rolled over and then and then promptly fell asleep, <laughs> and I was left like, oh my god, I'm quite I'm quite stimulated. <laughs> and then in the morning I woke up and I just had the worst, uh, the absolute headache. worst, hanging headache. Yeah, it was yeah. really really bad. So like, yeah. I'm not sure how to how to rate it. But some top tips if you are going to use Viagra, I would suggest don't get too drunk. 
you know, and make sure you've got plenty of energy so that you can, you know, work off what's about to happen. <laughs> and don't, don't don't start too late at night because you, you you might fall asleep <laughs> or your missus might fall asleep. Brilliant. Perhaps there I was you just... go. So so uh, there you go, <laughs> listeners. You thought you were coming to listen to a war game podcast, and actually uh, we rate Viagra. So if you've got any Viagra <laughs> stories, actually no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want your Viagra stories. Um, but, um, <laughs> I'd say six so... out of ten if I was to rate, but I'll I'll give it another go and I'll let you know. Well, if anyone wants to talk about Viagra, please do DM at Positive Victim on Twitter and please do have a conversation <laughs> with him and, and leave the miscast pod out of it. Right. Um, after Viagra, should we get our uh, our other host in, Darren? Um, yeah. He is, as always, the sexy socked seductor. You can find him at Sock on My Lolly on the gram. <laughs> He's <laughs> at OJ180 on Twitter. It's the Owen Jackson. Hi, Owen. Hello. Hello, Alex. Hello. Phil. How are you? Have you recovered from Darren's Viagra story? Uh, just about. I'll be honest with you. I tuned out of it because I've been chatting to somebody I'm trying to date. And Ooh. Her friends just figured out that I'm into Warhammer. And then I'm literally reading it to you now. She said, well, if he's got good diction and good spelling, it's either Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer. And she's just messaged me saying, I'm hoping it's Warhammer. So I've just flexed on her with my current world ranking. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Have you actually? I heard if he's got good dicking. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Aaron. Anyway, I better not. Right. Okay. I've literally. There we go. Are you a bit distracted, Aaron? I, I am a little bit distracted, but that's good. <laughs> that's good. You can give um, the listener your pillow talk instead, and then they can rate it. Listeners, no. if you like Owen's pillow talk, please send it to at OJ180 on Twitter, and um, so he can. Um, do you want to hear a bit of my pillow talk? Please do. Please go for it. Okay. So, um, have you ever charged with fulminators on twos and twos? <laughs> <laughs> Please, please tell me you're going to use this line on the first date. Please. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that made my bum wet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Nick is guaranteed with that. I love Um, the fact that you went down an octave as well. Oh, really? Yeah, you you went really soft. You went down an octave, I've got to say. I am good. I wasn't expecting to talk about that. But anyway, I've had... One quarter of a tin of Heineken, so, you know, all bets are off. All steady on. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. I had a very restful, uh, festive season. Um, <laughs> Happy New Year to all the listeners, etc. So, yeah, I had a bit of winter mm-hmm. sun. Come back all Oh, town. yeah, you buggered off to Morocco, didn't you? Yes, I did. My brother lives in Portugal, and he road-tripped over with a friend. And so I had a, yeah, Christmas on the coast in Morocco, and then I had a little road trip to Marrakesh. I love beautiful country and no Warhammer mm-hmm. scene as of yet though. Um, couldn't couldn't spot any gaming clubs or anything. So um, maybe that's my um, my future. Maybe I'll retire and go and um, settle. Oh, I love that. A, uh, a you Moroccan... set up a GT something in the desert. I'm trying to yeah. think of something. Uh, Cheap holidays for me, or have you had enough of me visiting you? No, no. <laughs> so I was just trying to think of a witty. Title. I'm trying to think of a witty title as well. <laughs> yeah, like the Sahara <laughs> GT or something. Um, that's not witty, but that's just, you know, oh, desert's really hard to rhyme, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, this we'll is great back. podcast material. Um, yeah. But yeah, Absolutely. good. <laughs> no, I had a nice, I had a nice Christmas. <laughs> um, didn't really do anything. Thought about some lists and stuff, but nothing that Warhammery. Um, 
and then got back last week and then yeah went straight off to brotherhood which was fantastic had a wonderful time at um at chris tomlin's annual oh, yeah. team yeah. tournament possibly <clears throat> possibly um the most competitive um tournament i've been to in a long time certainly since worlds and i think perhaps the most competitive brotherhood so far because you had lots of young up and coming teams and and newer players and then oh god just so many of the names that you would expect to see plus some some sort of foreign mercenaries flew in one like the team that won um wargamer online international um they were like the a team you know they were like these mer- <laughs> so they had uh philip from russia and they had toby from the german team they had mac from the swedish team and then luke and andy and who was the last person in that chris team? myhill chris Sorry, Chris. How could I forget? How could I forget <laughs> Myhill first? Um, doing all sorts of naughty things with an incarnate in Beasts of Chaos. Um, so yeah, uh, Brotherhood was awesome, and I played with uh, with Team Lit, one of the new up and coming. I was like the dad of the team, along with um, with Luke. But um, yeah, we had an amazing time and managed to come fourth. Yeah, I saw which... that. Really well done because that was an absolute shark pit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fourth and best, most sporting team as well, which shows that we we did pretty well and, and we did it in the right way. So I would like to just take a second to shout out my team, which is um, Adam, Luke, Mark, Will and, and Quinn. I'm really, really proud of you all from the weekend. It was a, a great time and yeah, nice to do it in the right way. Well so that's me. Yeah, generally yeah, pretty good. Good job. Yeah. yeah good job. Um, Excellent. Looking forward to tonight and having a chat with you all. So um yeah. As always, as always. Right. Well, that's a very nice segue to introduce our special guest. Um, so, he's played more AOS games than anyone <laughs> else in the world combined ever. ever. <laughs> Since we started recording the podcast, he's already played three more. <laughs> he's GW's best overall champion from the USA. USA. And he's Team England member... You can find him at AOS underscore Marshy92 on Twitter. It's Phil Marshall. Hi, yes. Phil. Hi, guys. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Woo-hoo. Thanks um, for coming along. Yeah, it's good. It's nice to have you on, especially since you literally have played more games than anyone else. So this is, <laughs> this is the best thing to talk to you about, because if you hadn't guessed from the title, we're talking about practice games repetitions so yeah thanks for coming on yeah. um, did you see that he put in the chat alex that he was annoyed that he's missed a playing a te- playing techless tonight for this yeah. <laughs> oh yeah livid. <laughs> hashtag livid yeah you're gonna have to do some more charity phil if you keep doing that one um yeah you said that you said i said to you before we start recording you set the twits on storm i hope you've seen the uh all the replies you've had people are desperate to, to ask you various questions so yeah it's absolutely fantastic having you on <laughs> I'm not going to make the same joke as always because it's going to get boring to these guys. So instead, we're going to jump right into talking about practice and repetitions. Phil, practice. Um, yeah. Loads and loads of questions. So I think to start off with um, practice, why why should we or why should the listeners even practice at all for this game? Is it is it worth it? And a follow-up to that will be, how you go about doing it, but let's start with the why first. Why, why, why practice, and why do you practice? 
Um, I just, I guess, first of all, I'll clear a couple of things up. I don't have a time machine, and I am one person. So <laughs> let's, let's just get get that out of the way to begin with. Um, for me, practice um, is great for learning the game at whatever level that you're playing at, whether you're just getting into the hobby or you're a seasoned pro, like Owen, Darren, other people on the England team, etc., and in the country. Um, but fundamentally for me, it's learning the way that you enjoy playing the game and what benefits you the most. Mm-hmm. And then once you've worked out how, how your play style integrates within the game of Warhammer, it will then enable you to get a better, better understanding of the types of lists you want to play, the types of armies that suit you to really delve into all the possible avenues. And once you've worked that out, you then get all the reps in to work out how that army wants to play to suit your play style. Yeah, that makes sense. And so for you, it's very much a kind of a deep dive into that faction, is it? Or is it more about a, a play style as a whole? Because there were lots of questions about um, practicing with one army versus practicing with lots of different armies, pla- practicing one play style versus play styles for you. Is it kind of a, a, that kind of play style issue or is it more just kind of getting to the nitty gritty of the, the kind of faction list that you're using? Um, I guess for me to begin with, it was identifying my play style. So which quickly came about after attempting to take 60 Sentinels to my first ever tournament. <laughs> nice. And, um, <laughs> trying to be the nice guy. And um, <laughs> it, it really didn't suit me. I, I got I got quite bored with it. Um, oh really? Okay, interesting. Yeah, just just sitting there shooting people wasn't for me. I like, so I thought, oh, Archeon got me back into the hobby. Let's see if he's any good. Turns out he's all right. Um, <laughs> took took him to one of them, didn't you? <laughs> I, I took him took him to one or two events. Um, <laughs> so and... was the sen- were the Sentinels before Archeon then, or did Archeon? Be- yeah, before Sentinels. That? Yeah, it was sixty Sentinels in Helon, living my best life. Yeah. Um, so they're my first two ever tournaments in September 2021. Right okay, out the yep. gate, then, Phil, you tried to win. You went to do well. You weren't interested in fucking making friends. You went there to do no. as best as we can, or yeah, like I I played cricket at the highest level you can in the country without being a professional. And oh, wow. It's always a want the wanting to win opposed to doing doing anything to win i just hate losing so i can yes. lose a club game be livid but <laughs> I hate losing <laughs> i was gonna, um, sorry fellow yeah. you know, i was going to ask you about that um with the cricket because i played cricket as a as a kid me and my brother my brother was um better than me and um there's a lot of nets in cricket isn't there there's a lot of repetition in terms of you know you 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 go to a cricket practice and you might play nets for for three hours or something four hours or you'll play you'll you'll stay in the nets beyond the session and just keep batting keep batting or keep bowling do you think that has bled a little bit into your warhammer in terms of that's interesting you know thinking about how you know i want to get better at this i'm going to just get reps i'm going to get you know learn the techniques of this army learn learn the way this game works or or am i conflating two very different things no I, i i think you're right on it to be perfectly honest with you like um Whenever I do something, I want to try and be the best that I can be at it. Um, when I was playing the best standard of cricket, I'd net four or five times a week during the summer. Mm. Um, 
even now that I'm not playing the standard that I used to, um, it would be three, four times a week as well as maybe two games a week. Hang on, you're in, playing in the cricket, cricket season. You're playing cricket and all these games of fucking Warhammer. Do you sleep? No, no I ruptured my calf last year. So oh, I see. Cricket, cricket, cricket went on the back burner and <laughs> I've played even more games of Warhammer. The way to practice is to rupture your calf muscles is the way to practice more games of Sigma. Yeah, exactly. It's how I got, it's how I got invited to Team Lit. But luckily, um, Rob, the Honest Wargamer, had to drop out and I got put on this random army that I'd never used, which was Archeon and Six Varangard for Brotherhood last year. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a blessing and a curse missing the cricket <laughs> season, but then just probably playing another 200 games of Warhammer. So. Do you, um, a follow-up question then. Sorry, Alex, I'm asking lots of questions here. You, but please, uh, please go ahead. You're full of stunt this evening, aren't you, Owen? I am indeed, <laughs> every evening. Um, so um, obviously cricket being a seasonal game, did you f- was was the intention with Warhammer was that to like fill that fill that gap between the end of the cricket season and the start of the next like that kind of what would that be uh, October to March April kind of time was that to c- scratch your competitive itch or or was it just something that you wanted to get back into? Um, to be honest, it's it's probably going to be a little more wholesome than that actually. Um, it was we love wholesome part of that, like I. I didn't really do a lot in the winter and it was my brother got um, based in Catterick in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a conversation about just before COVID hit that should we get back into Warhammer um, mm. as something to do together so we could meet up around the country and see each other a bit more regularly. Um, and we decided we'd do that. So I thought, you know what, like I say, 60 Sentinels seems like the good way to make my brother happy. Um, and it's been a bit of a competitive head banging against each other. What did your brother take? What was your brother using? Is he like the nice? Well, not not particularly. He he started (laughs) off with Nurgle, and then he decided he was going to buy Marathi and the Bow Snakes. Oh, I've heard enough. (laughs) Because it means he can't die on turn one. Um, (laughs) And it was a case of then just buying lists that beat the other person's list. It's an arms race, um, isn't it? And then, um, unfortunately for him, he doesn't get the reps in that he should do because um, I think once he leaves the military, he'll be right up there as one of the, the best players in the country once he can practice more because he just uses tournaments as practice at the moment, mm-hmm. whereas I play nearly seven games a week. So... Yeah, um, I mean, it is. It is all jokes aside. It is absolutely astonishing um, yeah. the amount of games that you are managing to practice. And there's been loads and loads of questions, like along the lines of, "Do you sleep? Where do you go? How do you fit all these in?" Um, before we get to kind of how that 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 kind of how you fit all of them in, um, you must you must love it and find it really useful. The the practicing you must you must find kind of these reps. Kind of really useful to kind of hold down. God, I can't even speak tonight. To kind of focus down on, um, as you mentioned, that kind of play style. That play style that you realise. Oh, actually, I don't want sentinels. I don't want to shoot people off. And actually, now I just want to practice this this style. Yeah. So um, the the reps of like learning, like more recently, I've been more open to travelling a lot more to get good games in as well. So 
Like I've played 194 games since July, which is 195 days. Um, which is yeah. 60 more than you told us the last time. That was like <laughs> yeah. the last three days. <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so I think I've played like nearly 150 club games, and the rest are tournament games. So, and that's and that's uh, you're practicing. So these all these practice games that you're doing. Is this yeah. with one faction, one list, or is this multiple factions, multiple lists, but very similar play style? Um, so I also practice with lists that are massive greens against me. So I'll buy an army that I know my army isn't very good into, and oh, I'll get reps in that army. Oh, very interesting. So I, so I work out how that army likes to play how that army wants to beat me so that I know how I need to play in order to mitigate what that's trying to do to get the best out of it so I can try and work out how I win these bad matchups. Yeah, As an nice. example, Dragons and Long Strikes were an issue for Archeon because they could shoot off your support heroes, they could shoot off your Varangard. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot you could do about it. Um, so I bought the army and then I've never lost a Stormcast an event since. So wow. I think that then comes down to, yeah, player skill probably plays a part, but also now I get to a table, you know it's a bad matchup, but you know what you need to do in order to mitigate the success that they can have against you. Knowledge yeah, is absolutely. power. Knowledge is power. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, so so you set up, so say say a normal practice day that you've got kind of ready, raring to go and you've got your opponent and, you, and you're going to, let's just say, Archeon for, for argument's sake. Yeah. Um, you're going to play, what, a game, two games with Archeon and then and then do you flip and your opponent uses the Archeon and you use the, the green into it? Is that is that kind of how it, how it plays out? Um, so that is really dependent on who I'm playing with. So... It's easy to do with good players who can also, they understand how that army likes to work as well, but there's no point giving it to a friend that doesn't play the army because they inherently play it wrong and you want to play it at the same level that you're expecting to play against it. Yeah. So I'll only do that with select individuals, whereas a normal club game, um, I love him to bits, my mate Rich. Um, he, he's, he's, he takes he takes an absolute pasting every week. Shout out to Rich. But, uh, <laughs> gets, say, I, can't, I can't believe you're still friends. To be honest, you get some pasting on Twitter as well. Bless him. <laughs> he's, he's getting better though. He's getting better. He proves that you're only as good as the people you play. Like the, your original salt, your original results were like, oh yeah, struggled playing this bad matchup. Thirty. 32. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's getting um, a bit closer now, isn't he? But the thing is, like, for me, like, I'll happily play him three, four times a week. And I know for me, it's about getting reps with my list and making sure I don't make any mistakes of mine. But hopefully, from, from his perspective, he learns a lot and he gets better and you can see the progress he makes at events. Um, but there's a lot of times where I've let him deploy and then I go, let me correct this for you because you've played my list X amount of times and you know what it can do. And you've left me this huge gap into your 15 bow snakes. So before we get started, let's fix this. Um, But I'll let him make the mistakes first and then we'll talk about what he's done wrong. 
rather than just let him do it, I go in, table him, and then go, well, that's a line ticked off on my Excel spreadsheet and let's have another go. I was I was going to ask you about that actually. In terms of, do you think that through the course of playing all these games, your desire for like the quality of the practice, the the quality of the reps, has that like have you found that more and more you want you want to be tested, or you know, you, are you re racking a lot? Because um, you know, people think oh reps, like oh yeah, I'll play fifty games, and it may just be, you know, obviously most people on the pod here have played or gone to some form of international team like weekend where if you play games against an opponent, it's not necessarily right. Let's play a 2000 point game over the course of three hours. And we play it all the way out. You get to the point where you realize that the game is overall, it's one rather you don't know the points differential, but you fundamentally know, and then you re-rack or you stop, you go back and you make a correction like, what form? God, this is a long question. What what <laughs> form do the reps uh, take now, and has that changed? Um, so now I do get in a lot better better reps um, now that I've know more people in the community and people like like I say being willing to travel to go and get good games in, um, which is something I'm definitely going to do more coming up this year. Um, but it also is dependent on what stage I'm at with a list. If I'm trying to work out how the list wants to play, any rep is a good rep for me because mm. it's just for me, those reps. They're not for seeing how powerful the list is off the bat and wanting to go into like a lorry, a Steve Follows, a Steve Curtis, etc. Mm. It's let me fundamentally understand how the army that so I've got good. wants to play to suit my play style. Mm. Once I've worked that out and I'm on autopilot with it, then I'm then looking to test it against the better players to go, right, this is the list. I'm really happy with it. Now let's put practice on off paper and put it into real life mm. and um, see see how well, how well it does what it does. But, um, yeah, I'd like to say just... Willingness to get good reps. So, like over Christmas, I drove six hundred miles in two days to play ten games of Warhammer. Um, so I went down to Dorset, played against the South Coast Eternals, um, got I think it was six games in down there. Um, <laughs> and again, all four games were they? Or, sorry, don't no, so I was just going to um, say he's leaving a trail of distraction all over the UK, aren't you, Phil? Yeah, basically. Um, were they, were they so, all full games, Phil, or were they were they re-racks again? So a lot of them, I think three or, three or four of them on the in Dorset were decided by turn two, of which two or three of them were just, we call it there. And then the other three, um, Paul Buckler, we had a really close game with Ogres, which are quite frankly disgusting. Um, he had no models left at the end of turn three, so that was a nice quick one. Um, and then had a really grim game with Mike and his Hex Wraiths, which they're just disgusting in the old GHV, so I'm glad Bounty Hunters are going. And um, then Ricky um, with his slaves pra- for practice for him at Brotherhood. But um, yeah, I say, like, against good players, it's easier to re rack because. Um, other players like to play the game out. They don't quite understand that 
They've lost. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they they, have, they they play the hobby for a different reason, which is mm-hmm. to roll their dice and have fun. So like, have a good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other, yeah. So like last night we were at club and I played Rich. Um, no surprises there. And um, I did sixty four damage straight through into a six up ward with twenty wounds. And he was counting out all his dice. And I said, Rich, let's just hurry this up and pick them up. <laughs> because you're you're not going to make that many sixes. Um, and he, he rolled his first batch of 20. And there were like two sixes. And he went to roll it again. I was like, Rich, come on. Let's, let's speed up so we can get another game in. Um, and... Whereas you do that with like Laurie. I respect Rich because he wanted to show you something you'd never seen before. And if he hadn't rolled the dice, he wouldn't have had the opportunity. (laughs) No. Um, But maths doesn't lie a lot of the time. (laughs) Yeah, it fucking does. Have you played Blood Bowl? (laughs) (laughs) Whereas um, me and Laurie quite often don't roll a lot of dice. So like something would go into something. We know based on maths what the output is and then just get picked up because um, that way you speed the game up a lot. It enables us to get maybe three games in in two, three hours. Um, yeah, so, so you're but, kind of trying to hone into situational practice then rather than yeah. like dealing with something going badly or something going well out of the odds. You're almost practicing what? how would this game normally play out if the dice kind of... You know, go they'll go bad or good either way, but they'll even themselves out. And so you're you're sort of trying to aim towards those situational experiences. Is that fair to say? I'd say when you're at the high end, when you're playing other people that understand the game as well as you do, um, and also in those situations when you know a game is just is one. If let's say I win the priority, I know I win it. You then give it to your opponent, and you see what happens if you didn't win it. If you're still in that stronger position. Mm. Um, so it's a case of trying to really deep dive the whole scenario without actually investing all the time into it because um, like I say maths is is such a good tool in this game particularly when you're doing weight like weight of averages Um, so if a unit of 10 chosen go into 9 untamed beasts I'm not, there's no point running any dice because I should do seven mortal wounds to you before I even roll to wound. So I, li- I like that as well because you're, you're, you're less likely to end that game with the false narrative. So, mm. you know, you can play a game sometimes and there, there are anomalies, you know, just because it's improbable doesn't mean it's impossible. Um, I know no, I've got I've got like twenty five years plus gaming experience. Like <laughs> I've seen Rick Myhill roll six ones in a row and then roll six another six ones. <laughs> like, and honestly, it's fucking incredible. Um, so, but if that happened in one of your practice games and you and you and you use that to judge that game, then perhaps you 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 end up with a false narrative. So I like the fact that you're taking the anomalies out of the situation, aren't you? So that you can actually the data that you can pull from that game is reliable data. I actually really like that. That's a good, I, I hadn't considered that. That's something I can add to my um, practice games. Oh, you're, you're, yeah, that's nice, Phil. Lovely. Well, yeah, I guess, Sorry, go ahead. Phil. Phil. I was just going to say, like, it's particularly with now being in Team England, like my, the data set that I keep, I think will be really beneficial for when 
I stopped looking at the matrix for worlds because with getting these reps in and the data that I hold on it with no anomalies and it should be if everything goes right this is how I usually do into this scenario against this army this is the average kind of differential that we're looking at I'm, I'm really hoping that I can use this to give myself a really informed opinion into the pairings matrix to mm. with whatever army I land on um, I know I'll probably get in 100 games of it before before worlds um and like i say being that'd be five or six singles events team events and then god knows how many club games i'll get in so um you're speeding up those games as well aren't you by by looking at the sort of by getting rid of the anomalies or not or not playing into them so actually the the amount the quality of practice that you're getting increases the data that you're getting increases and your time efficiency increases that's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, well, really re- related to that, does this mean that you would, would you say the vast majority of your practice games um, don't make it to uh, like a full tournament game would, if you see what I mean? Would you say the vast um, majority are kind of over and you just kind of call it or you call certain things at some points? So I'd say it's probably about 50% of my club games. Um because, like I say, some some people at club it's their one one game a week, and they wanna they wanna play it all the way through. Yeah, um, and I could have that game three times a week with certain individuals who it's their one evening out, and they wanna play, and I'm fine with that. I let them I let them roll all their dice, even if in my head I'm like you're dead. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> when I play with like lorry we like i said we can get three games in in three hours like easily um and both be content with the outcome of the game because we know based on the game state after probably turn two so turn three priority what way the game's going to go um mm-hmm. particularly as i i inherently play smash lists so yeah. i'm trying to put as much pressure on my opponent early doors and if everything goes my way you shouldn't have a lot left and then it's quite easy to kind of work out what's happened. So like yesterday, this is when I, again, telling people about how much damage, um, I think by the end of turn two, I took off 10 heart renders, 10 combat snakes, 15 bow snakes and six wounds to Marathi. Was that with um, all your lovely corn buffs? That was with one lovely corn buff. Yeah. The little, <laughs> my, my cheeky little blood stoker. But, um, You're a little upset today, though, aren't you? Rip. <laughs> it just means I have to 3d6 charge Varangard for a soul screen bridge instead. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure context, I'll be. For context, <laughs> the um, the the um, the, oh, the the corn stuff has been removed from Save to Darkness, hasn't it? We've well, we just had a Battle Scribe update. Yeah. Um, Hashtag livid today. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've got a few questions, if it's all right, Phil. This sort of feels like the Grill Phil episode. The Grill Phil episode. That's what we call it. I love grill food. Let's Grill Phil. We'll get to the food topics later, breakfast, etc. Hashtag (laughs) pudding. Um, I've got a couple of things. So um, going to the idea of, like, you know, playing this many games to speed things up and also you know for the other listeners if they're like oh god you know if i want to get in a couple of games i've got one i've got one gaming night maybe with a few different like 
a slightly different approach. Perhaps I could, you know, get as much quality um, practice in uh, as you do, Phil. Like, do you, for example, when you play, you know, you've mentioned Laurie a couple of times, and I've played Laurie. Um, are you like lists in advance and choose a mission in advance, and then you, you know, you you you, you get to the table and you know immediately what you're doing? Do you do you set your practice games up in that way? Yeah. So, um, particularly with Laurie, um, it is WhatsApp probably a couple of days beforehand. Mm-hmm. List submission deadline, etc. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then in the morning before we roll out a mission, and then whoever gets the club first goes and sets it all up, sets the table up. Um, if it's at Laurie's, there's usually not a lot of terrain when he's playing his lovely Sylvanette, so you can't hide from him. Um, and then when it's a club, I go and pick all the biggest pieces. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, what, but what we try and do more recently is it would be a really even board as well. So mm-hmm. there's no benefit on either deployment really to your opponent to try and make the most balanced game as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if he's playing Sylvaneth and he loses the roll off and he sets up the terrain, then we allow a bit more space for him to place trees down etc but um yeah it's all it's all kind of pre-worked out a good day or two before with lists um and then the missions again predetermined so as an example if we're playing in the presence of idols game one game two would be head on collision because we don't need to change the board at all nice Um, so just we just try and mitigate as much setting up as we need to and just get on with the next the next one um and then it might even be like let's just do battle lines drawn because no objectives means we're a nice quick game free and silver f on hard mode for him is quite nice for me where i don't have to worry about him striking and fading everywhere i'm getting a real theme from you phil and also knowing like you know you've got a lot of success with slaves um, you know, marketing. I'm getting a real. The word that just keeps into coming to mind is efficiency. You see, yeah, like oh, oh, and I'm thinking the exact same thing. There's like you're a very. It seems like you're a very efficient person. Um, oh, it's the accountant in me. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see the point in why do anything. Is it what Steve Jobs said? Would you rather employ a smart person or a lazy person? And the lazy person will always find the way of doing the quickest, doing it the quickest way. So I, I like to try and use my time as, like you say, efficiently as possible for what you're putting it to. So I'm trying to work out the quickest way of doing things. Um, so like even this with list building, like I've got a spreadsheet where I have a list of armor saves, list of attacks, rend, and it's all formula driven. So I can just dump in the amount of attacks and I know the damage output for a certain unit. Um, so then I have a rule of cool. So I only play with stuff that I like the look of, but if it doesn't do any damage, then I won't play with it. I'll just go and find the next bit of filth that I can get my hands on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just, I just try and, um, be, be good with my time, try and get as much in as possible because t- time is king. I can appreciate I've been lucky and unlucky in the last four or five months where I've had quite a lot of time to play with because I've not been working. So I've been trying to utilise that to 
to my advantage recently. Mm. Um, but now I'm back to work and I've only managed to get five games in this week so far. I feel a little, <laughs> feel like only. I'm slacking. <laughs> um, you, you might have answered the, my next question actually um, already, which is like talking about those club games where, you know, you perhaps play that all the way through. Like, do you find there's any benefit in in playing like with the handbrake on, as it were, or is there any benefit to like pushing shit uphill, as in you know taking something which isn't particularly good, but seeing what you can achieve with that army, or do you always you know go with the very efficient armies, go with the armies that you know are good in the meta? Um, how do you feel on on sort of those those two points? Um, I say again, most of the time it's going to be dependent on stages so like recently over Christmas I was pretty content with my Slaves of Darkness and I think I could play it at an event with probably not getting many reps in with it and be comfortable with how I'm going to deploy against each army um, so I ended up playing with my feck quite a bit over Christmas um, because it's, it's an army that I love um, but it also enables me to probably play the game better because my army isn't as durable. I've always, well, I say always, most recently, I've always played an army that is pretty durable and doesn't die, um, <laughs> as most people would love me playing Kota, um, could attest to. Um, whereas Thek, you have to you have to play the game a lot smarter, so it encourages better movement, mitigating more negatives in gameplay, especially when you're playing against Marathi and the Bow Snakes or an Alpha Striking Iron Jaws army. It it teaches you the core mechanics and reminds you of what you need to do. Um, whereas getting my reps in with Slaves, at a point now where I'm on autopilot with it, it probably isn't as beneficial as now picking up a different army and relearning how that wants to play. So trying to like pick up what will probably be a top tier army even though I've just sold all my Lumineth because I don't like the way it plays but to play with it understand how it's wanting to win which is shoot me off the table in Technado but um get some reps in with that but yeah I don't I don't ever go easy on people um and I don't think they'd want me to at club um I'm very fortunate to have the club that I have where they all want to play filthy lists and play against the best stuff to improve their own game. Um, and I also don't think they learn anything by being spoon-fed, which may be harsh on people, but I know one day Rich will beat me and I want him to know that he's earned it. And it's not been, and it's not just been gifted to him. I want him to know when he does beat me on that day, he's beaten me because he's been, he's played better than me. Mm. So I don't want to just be like, oh, I'm taking this really rubbish army and you won. Um, so I'd rather keep going on hard mode and try and try and teach them as much as possible whilst I'm playing as well. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, there's quite a few questions related to all the stuff is, is fascinating, is what I wanted to say. One thing I very quickly wanted to ask is you mentioned that you... It's quite formulaic, if that's fair to say, um, that some of the practice games. And when you're in a tournament, obviously things always, don't always go to maths and formula. Have you ever found yourself kind of 
out of your comfort zone when, I don't know, the dice have completely deserted you or something's gone completely wrong. And because you're not practicing those situations, has that, has that happened to you? And you felt, oh, hang on a second, I don't, I don't practice when it goes completely wrong. Or, I mean, sorry, um, go on, yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, for the last 18 months, I've re-rolled every dice ever. So it's really hard to have your dice go badly when you re-roll everything. Um, right. So that's the, the perks of my Slaves of Darkness, and now is going to be a hindrance to me, I guess, with losing them. Um, but I think based on when the dice are down, um, I'm not really much of a stressful person anyway. So like, I know I've done everything that I can do to, like I say, understand the miniature of the way I want to play, understand how my opponent wants to play. So when I get to a table, I know I'm not going to get surprised by anything. Most of the time, I'll know their army as, as kind of as well as I know my own. I'm not going to get caught out by anything. Um, yeah. But ultimately, you have to remember it's a dice game. So yeah, yeah. Um, if dice don't go your way, you have to be be prepared for that. I do like work out averages before I do things to make sure I'm happy with the probability if it comes off what I'm going to do to try and mitigate the the um, effects of, let's say, rolling below average or what have you. But um, it's also knowing what position you're going to put yourself into into certain matchups. I know if I'm in a bad matchup, I'm probably not going to overextend because the risk of being doubled is going to hurt me. Whereas mm-hmm. if I know I'm in a great matchup, I can probably push a little harder. And if the dice don't go my way, um, I'm probably still going to be in a strong position. Mm-hmm. But it's just understanding when when you need to push and when you don't need to push. And that's, I think, the benefit I've got out of playing so many games with like the same list. So like yeah. with Archeon, I probably got, I reckon I took him to 20 events last year. Mm-hmm. Um and didn't get anything worse than a four and one with him. Yeah. Um, I'd deploy the same every every way against the certain type type of army I'm playing against. So if you were an alpha strike army, I'd have one deployment. If you couldn't alpha me, I'd have a different one. Um and then it would and be And that's all based from your practice games because you've experienced them already. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so it's kind of like I say, it's the mitigation of anything that's going to like panic you when you get to a table. So I know as soon as I get to a table, like I have this thing of, I always want to be the first player to the table as well. I want to get it all set up. Mm -hmm. I want to be in the zone. And then I know my opponent's army, but I'll still ask them all the questions to make, to make sure they're not tricking me or leaving stuff out. And if they leave out, fact that they've got a teleport i'll remind them um Mm -hmm. and then it lets them know that i know what their army does um (laughs) exactly um and then i guess more recently like having got into the the england team and everything i've kind of especially with darren um he's told me to to strut more because apparently (laughs) i'm kind a little bit of a big deal um, but I never, <laughs> I never really, deal, brother. I never really um, 
backed myself a whole lot in the first season where I was playing. So I always kind of felt like I had something to prove. Mm. Whereas now, I kind of... Brother, I'll I just expand on that. You're in the fucking England team, mate. And you got there within yeah. like 12 months. Like, if that isn't cause to strut, fuck yeah. me. There are very, there's like 0.01% of the, the player base is ever going to be able to do that. Be fucking proud, mate. Well done. I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm over the moon with it. I never did I expect it. And like I said, I've had, a, I've had a great year, well, 18 months now, where I've been very successful on the table and I've, I've made a lot of people that I'd consider great friends from it, which is above and beyond what I could have expected. So, yeah. so it's been good. Yeah, awesome. Wow. I mean, that, as I said, just I'm just fascinated. And I think I think listeners really enjoy listening to what, what exactly you get out of all of these. There's absolutely tons of questions. So I think we might give you a bit of a breather, Phil, because we've just been literally grilling, <laughs> grilling, <laughs> grilling you to crazy. Um, Darren, practice. So for those, there's lots and lots of questions sent in by listeners about uh, various bits of practice, which Phil has admir- admir- admirably answered already. Um, lots of questions around what if you can't do this? So obviously Phil's mentioned he's been unlucky and lucky with uh, the ability to kind of practice lots of games. But there are people who either don't have the inclination or don't mm-hmm. have the time, have got busy lives, children, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's the sort of way, if you can't do what Phil's doing, where you can get in that kind of efficient practice um, without ha- without doing or being able to do as many reps? Yeah, now, well, I can cover this because I very rarely practice. Quite often, my first game with a list will be game one at an event. Um, but what I have done like leading up to that event is fucking use my imagination. So I've probably played as many games as Phil, if not more in my mind prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's the chess. Oh, what's the, oh, I forgot. What's the name of the chess series? Um, oh, Queen's Gambit. Where, yes. she plays the, where she plays the chess games on the ceiling. She's, uh, yes, yes, yes. But just without the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Less drugs, more Warhammer models on the ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No. So I just, um, I think, so I'm not mechanically very good at Warhammer. I said this very loads of times, but it's the truth. Like there are other gamers out there, like Jack Armstrong, for example, that I've played six times, but I've beaten him three times. But he's better than me on the table. But I think where I can compete and where other people can improve if they don't get to play a lot of games, um, like Phil or, or Jack, etc., is I'm really fucking prepared. I put a lot of thought into my list design. I put a lot of thought into how my list design, um, you know, I put a lot how it relates to the meta. I put a lot of thought in how my list relates to the missions. Um, and I don't, uh, so I'm completely, complete opposite to Phil. You know, I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm not very formulaic. You know, all sorts can try and um i'd sort of break the people that are the formula players let's say you I the chaos is how i describe you <laughs> <laughs> well basically formulaic players and there's nothing wrong with that it's a really great and successful approach it's just not something that i'm capable of doing because i don't have the attention span for it yeah, sure. um, yeah. <laughs> <Are> you... <laughs> i really didn't know what that was for a second then. <laughs> 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 um but the formulaic players what they do present is a problem but you know that problem okay so i can obsess about how to 
to defeat dragons when they came out. I obsessed about how to defeat, you know, the six magma droths when they came out, etc. Um, and I find that nine times out of the ten, and I also speak to these these players how they're using them so i get a lot of insight from the conversations that i have with people um you know what they're going to be doing so if i already know the problem they present then i can have a real good think about how i'm going to go about breaking it and you've got to do that in your head unfortunately but mm. there is plenty of time to do this you can be thinking when you're washing up you can be thinking when you're having a swim you can be thinking when your girlfriend makes you watch a te- another terrible rom-com <laughs> <laughs> Although I would suggest you don't always do that because it is really important to be present within a within your relationship. Um, so I'd say about one in three rom-coms I let my mind wander and the rest I make sure that when afterwards, when Alex asks me loads of enthusiastic questions, I can give her genuine answers. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if I'm out walking with a dog, you know, or, you know, there's this, we say we don't have time, but actually, in fact, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of sort of time where we're doing tasks that we would rather we're not or we or we have to do you know we can do on autopilot you know i can walk my dog around the park on autopilot um and and then i can use that time to have a real good think about warhammer um i don't always do that again freddie gets plenty of attention with the with the ball etc you know i'm not a complete arsehole um um, but my favorite time to think about warhammer is in the, the swimming pool you know i love the fact that you just go you get a nice pace, you know, you, with your breaststroke, and then your mind completely wanders. And what I love about my, what I love about this mind wandering is you think about all sorts of crazy situations, and you, and sometimes when you let your mind sort of wander, you find absolute gold. That's how I found my um, Seraphon list that I took to Worlds, which was obviously three snake basties and croak. Like I think it's fair to say that was pretty different to anyone else that was running Seraphon before. Um, you know, and that was like a good, a good sort of a good sort of swim session. Um, and then you you can just yeah, you've just got to really really you've got to really 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 use your imagination. Um, and it's the same. It's luckily it operates the same. It's the same skill set that when you're thinking about deployment and you're thinking about your opening moves. You know, again, if you're not doing this, you absolutely should be. You need to get to the table, like Phil says, with a sense of control. And you get that from having a good plan, what you're going to do and knowing what your first opening move is going to be in various situations. Um, and if you can't do that at the table and you can't get that experience and that knowledge from reps, then you can absolutely imagine it. If you don't have a very good imagination, I promise you, start using your imagination and you get better at it, you know. Um, you could stop watching porn, for example, you know, and then start imagining other things. <laughs> <laughs> Heresy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, I would suggest ways, wait, you know, start using your imagination. Absolutely. Um, and for you, it, it's possible. It's absolutely possible to do. And would, it, would you think it's fair to say that the, the two approaches sort of lead to the same outcome? But for, for Phil, it's. He's he's experienced that same situation. He knows how these things go. He's been in the, he's been you know seen it, done it already, and therefore knows what's going to happen. Uh-huh. For you, because you're imagining the situation and you're kind of thinking of the overall game plans. You're 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 coming at it as a much more kind of overall how lists or factions like this play rather than the actual minutiae. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is fair to say. I mean, I don't really understand your question because I was too busy having a good old giggle. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Alex or whatever you are, can you um, just say matrices, please? Matrices. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. <laughs> Just to, to jump in, I think I would say, um, sorry, Darren, did you actually understand the question? No, no, not at all. You okay. carry on, my love. Basically, I would say that I'm uh, in between the two. I'm, I'm halfway between the Phil approach and the and, and your approach, Dazza. I think mm. um, I've not been in the game anywhere near the amount of time as you, Darren. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I've only been in the game a little bit longer than than yourself, Phil. But I think yeah. basically, I I think I was a little bit like maybe Phil one point oh, and he's taken it to like the nth degree. Whereas I I put in a lot of games and a lot of reps early, and then I found that I've slowed down and I've lent more into. Um, essentially, I only really play tournaments now, apart from the odd odd game. I don't know if maybe that's a bit of arrogance. I'd have to check myself on that, perhaps. Um, uh, but also, there's an element of that I've been playing the same list now, much like you've mentioned, Phil. Uh, in terms of, you know, I kind of I can turn up with Morena Stars list now, and whilst I've looked to make changes over the course of several tournaments. I I can't beat that list in my mind for what it was to do. So I do feel like I've played a lot of the matchups and I understand the win condition. I understand the pivot points in the game. Um, but I'm leaning into a lot of that accrued knowledge, even from like GHB to GHB. Obviously the missions change, but you would attest to this, Darren, and I'm, I'm sure yourself, mm-hmm. Alex, as a long-time gamer. Like... Mm-hmm. The path to victory in a war game, um, the way in which you deploy your army and the the, the, the shape of your army and, and understanding how to win, I'm, I'm sure that hasn't changed over multiple games. And multiple They're transferable games. skills, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from fantasy to Age of Sigmar, you know, whilst a lot has changed, you're still putting troops on the board and looking to then kill your opponent in myriads of different ways and obviously with objective play then you know how you want to you know i call it the rhythm of the game i don't know if that's quite the right term maybe the tempo like you know in a game when you're you've played for a certain amount of time you know oh like i've lost or i've won or this is tight or i'm going to need till turn five or i need to push here or i need to i'm fine i can give the turn away like you understand the game state much better and um i don't know if that's necessarily list specific that's just a bit of a feel you gotta you over no, the course- I, don't, I don't think it is owen i think i think um it's um sorry to jump in i've just no, got no, no no it's a conversation age of sigma comes down to i when you really boil it down to and it's the same as 40k necromunda blood bowl all these wonderful beautiful games chess you know sudoku like all sorts it comes down to problem solving mm-hmm. um you know and you can if you've got a limited amount of of practice then you can just make sure that you're you're practicing problem solving in your sort of everyday life let's let's say so you can you can be formulaic or or you know because you're 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 really drilling it into yourself and that's really good because it gets you to the table and you're super confident in yourself and you you 
you put down and you present your problem to the world, don't you? That's what reps can do. When uh, Phil's mentioned a couple of times, he's on autopilot. Um, but if you can't get to that Zen state, then you need to be the person that is breaking those questions. And if you if you haven't been put in that situation, you know, too often, you have to make sure that you're really good at problem solving on the fly, problem solving on the spot. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, and the, the only way to do that is to make sure that you are practicing problem solving and not just there's no point someone like me or you, Owen, let's say, that hasn't got the uh, the time or the drive or the desire to, to, to practice outside of tournaments, let's say, practicing like Phil, because we 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 would need the time and the reps to get to that state. <laughs> yeah. so we need to be. Well, I would say more so me than let's say, because you're like a hybrid, aren't you, Owen? Um, but I've got to focus my time and my effort in making sure that my on the spot, on the fly problem solving is is pucker. <laughs> you think going back to one of the earlier questions then that was posed by Alex, you know, obviously this is a question for everybody. Um, do you think that if you have limited game time, you should really stick to an army, really stick to the core of a list? so that the practice isn't quite as scattergun and you're um, limiting the variables, so you're actually getting some good learnings from from, from the one <laughs> week that you get to have? I think yes and no. It depends on your, like, so going back to an earlier point, I'm an old fucker and I've been playing these games for over 25 years. So someone that's new into the hobby, probably yes, I would I would agree with that. But for me... If my practice time, I'm quite happy making sure that when I put any old shit on the table and I'm I'm really concerned with practicing problem solving. I want to be put in as many unique situations as possible and I want to be able to get to the answer or learn to get to the answer on the table within the time that I've got. So when I go to a tournament and a unique situation pops up, I don't panic and I've I've been in that situation in my practice time because I've I feel very confident that I can I can understand the problems that Slaves to Darkness pose, that dragons pose, um, and I can do that in in my mind. You know, I can solve that pretty well in my mind, and I know I can because I've I've done that for years. So my practice time is actually, if I do the limited practice time that I do get, I'm trying to practice all sorts of as many situations as possible so that I can keep myself stress free when a unique situation pops up. Because mm. I'm because I'm pretty confident that I've got the vast majority of the meta relevant <laughs> problems already solved in my head from my mind prism. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're so, both. Yeah, my my back off demon now. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was genuinely <laughs> terrifying. I'd, I'd just say, um, in response to your question, Owen, about sticking with an army, I think it probably is dependent on the level in which you play the game as well. So. If you're like Darren, who's got 20 years' experience of playing... Oh, at, thank you. It's 25. 20, that's okay. lovely. <laughs> I, I was going to say, 20 at playing at the highest level. Um, and then um, if you're quite new or you're like, and you don't get enough time, then you are probably better off sticking sticking with the, the army that you can get your limited time in and really learn how that army wants to play rather than chopping and changing every event. Um, and alongside that, Phil, lots, I mean, we, lots of the questions that came in from listeners was, a, was around 
you're picking that list to kind of get to know it. Should people in that situation, should they net list? Because they know that, you know, other players have practiced and had the game time to use that list. And therefore, lots of these lists are very strong because they've been practiced lots by other people. And therefore, should people kind of use things that they know are strong because they've got limited time? Or should they just get fewer reps in with something that might not be as good, but they know they can practice it a bit more? Um, a bit of both. I think if you're going to net list, make sure it's a list or an army that you already have a fundamental understanding of. Um, again, particularly if you're not playing at the highest level for like a prolonged period of time, um, I would say picking up an army that you've seen consistently will go four and one, five and zero, oh, or three and two, even depending on what you're looking to get out of the game. Um, is beneficial, particularly if you can't get all the reps in, because you know the hard work has already been done to get the list tried and tested for what you want to get out of it. Um, And then it's always nice to be the person that first comes up with a list, right? So if you can, like Reign of Stars, it's pretty unique, and now you see them kind of sporadically in places, and you're like, or oh, I, I know the I know the guy that came up with this, or <laughs> Dad Darren with his snake basties that everyone thought he was mad for, um, and then yeah, because like no one's seen Slaves of Darkness yet, it would be a case of who's taking what at LVO particularly and see see what happens. Hey, get, guess um, what? Phil, at, at the weekend, somebody said to me, "Oh yeah, don't worry, you're playing against one of Phil's lists." So I uh, I played I did play against one of your lists supposedly at the weekend. Um, sorry to butt in, but a quick one on lists. Like, are you a list writer? Do you find that a proportion of those reps are honing a list or going to the point that Alex says around net listing? Do you you know you've obviously got a lot of friends in the community, and obviously you know I understand that I'm not. Uh, a, an S tier list writer, I tend to get the core and then I ask some friends to, to, to finesse it. Um, how much of your reps are, you know, honing a list or, or do you step in with, with, with a net list of sorts? Like, um, um, I mean, I guess the Slaves of Darkness list that I played last year, like I picked up Archeon after he got taken out of Zinch where he was stupid um, <laughs> and you had everyone running 30 Marauders um, and I hate the models so I'll never play with them because I refuse to paint them so I was <laughs> like well what what equals 30 Marauders three more Varengard so I was like cool I'll do that put some changes in grab some Iron Golems instead of extra other bits and then I think it's probably pretty fair to say I got probably known as like the Archeon guy and then my Archeon list that I ended up playing with became the one that basically everyone played with. Mm. Um, whereas Kotet, which I ended up taking to Six Nations and playing at the last few events in the build-up, um, was a netlist. Like, it came from Toby playing it at Worlds, um, whether that was other people creating it in the England team and then kind of jumping in off the back of that. But I didn't jump on that even though we knew it was probably the best Slaves of Darkness list because I still was a fanboy for Archeon. Um, it was only when I really needed to test it at tournaments to make sure I was prepared properly to play it for England that um, 
I took it. And then it was a case of making subtle changes. Like I really like the Mind Stealer in it mm. over an extra unit of Iron Golems because of how important raws are. And now it's not a monster. Um, I'll probably never use the model again. So, yeah. <laughs> um, how many um, games do you? How many practice games do you do before you start making those changes? Is it is it is it easy as you play one game, you go, oh, bloody hell, that was crap. I'm um, that's out and that's new. Or is it much more? You give stuff a chance and then change it after say five or six. So I think the the best example I can give you with actual analysis would be. With the new Slaves of Darkness book, I've played 70 games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even out yet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've, when I first looked through the book and when I did the review show with AOS Coach, I was kind of all about Host of the Everchosen. I'm thinking, right, double banner, really strong, chosen a battle line, Varangard a battle line. Um, I'm going to really hone in on this. Then it was after about 10 games I realised how how important the magic phase is to really elevate Slaves of Darkness to to the level that I want it to play at and get the consistency with. Um, and that led me to then playing Kabbalists, which I've played 50 games with so far. Um, and I've kind of really honed in on learning the minutia of the way that wants to play, the intricacies of what marks to give certain things. So like making sure your wizards are zinch so that you can cast a teleport spell so they can move nine inches further forward in the hero phase to catch up with the rest of your units to add buffs on. Because mm. um, I was running them as Slanesh so they could get an extra run to their run. But I was like, well, if I can teleport them nine, then my effective range on demonic power is 27 inches instead of 18. So that unit that I've already put down the board to deal with my opponent, there's a chance I can probably get the buff on them again in the next hero phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, so much, it's, it's much, much more games before you make a change then. That sounds like quite a few, because I know, I know we joke about saying you had 10 games, but that is a lot for some people. And so it, it sounds can like I, it's quite a I lot. Can I say something on the subject, Alex? Of this is quite, this is an act. This is a question that comes up a lot with my patrons. Um, don't be if you lose it try not to be results orientated so if you lose a game don't think to yourself oh i'm going to change this that and the other the point in which i advise people to start making tweaks is when you understand the list and you understand why you lost or why you need to change you know so look less at the result and more at the um the more of the why you know performance the perfor- yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Because again, being results orientated, you could play a terrible player and get a win. You're, you're creating a false narrative. You could play a, a really good player and get a loss. You know, and again, that can you know be just be wary of false narratives. But the, the time to make changes is when you actually actually understand what you've got in front of you. And once you once you understand that, then that's the time. Because if you don't understand that, you're not going to fucking understand what comes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, hundred percent. And like, with with regards to making that change from host to cabalist after ten games, I hadn't lost a game with host of the ever chosen. So it wasn't a case of oh, I've I've lost a few yeah. games. This isn't working. It was realizing how important yeah, spellcasting was. Yeah, and once it. I knew that, it was how do I get that more consistent? And it's well, I can cast five spells hero phase on three d six. So it then puts you into a better matchup against 
lists that should be tricky for you, like Zinch, who could unbind your spells. Obviously, Teclas has got his auto unbind, but you then still have four more spells on the 3d6. So it's trying to mitigate. Awesome. It's Sorry, trying to Paul. mitigate what's what's going to be a negative play experience for you into what are going to be tough matchups, um, and then seeing what's within your book to benefit you in that instance. So the the ability to cast on three d six with all your spells, which you need in Slaves of Darkness at the moment to get them to play at a competitive level. Um, just just made the most sense and it also meant I could take out my chosen from being battle lines so they couldn't get bounty hunted either. So it was just mitigating more damage. Mm. Realising you probably didn't need the additional banner, particularly with um RIP the Bloodstoker. Um whereas <laughs> now there's again certain things that needed to have changed and fortunately I've played, like I said, I think 70 games or whatever with with the new book um i kind of expected the nerf to come so it was a case of what what can i replace and i'd worked out my new list within probably an hour done the maths on what weapons i'm equipping my varangard with um and it's quite an easy change to get in kind of does the same thing just as reliable for a bridge mm. um interesting it's really interesting yeah. oh, you've actually You've you've preempted one of my questions, which was, do you feel like all those reps that you've got in? I mean, you are. I think you are benefited by the fact that that Slaves to Darkness book is such an excellent book, and it does have ways to pivot. Um, but yeah, you've kind of preempted a question in terms of, do you feel like getting all those games in gives you a really fantastic, like, foundational understanding of the book and how it likes to play and what the important elements are? And then, hence, when the Bloodstoker nerf came today, you were equipped to be able to know how to pivot and still make it work. Like, do you do you feel like the reps always are put you in that position then? Oh, massively. Like, just to have the, the understanding of the whole book like, and knowing each unit that I want to play with based on the way that I want to play the game. Um, I've never really played with squishy stuff so i've always played with the big tanky unit so i know i'm going to be running knights i'm going to be running chosen i'm going to be running varangard what lists can i build around them what marks do i put on so i was toying with do i make my chosen slanesh because then i've got an 83 percent success rate for a soul screen bridge with a reroll so it's not as good as the bloodstoker with the plus four but at least i'm plus two so it's a seven inch charge or do I then go down the Varangard route, drop the Bloodstoker, drop a unit of Chosen, and get the 3D6 charge, which, um, again, is incredibly successful for a bridge. So it was a case of, like like you say, knowing, knowing the options that I have and knowing the way I want to play, which enables me to pivot quite easily into list building for my army. Um so yeah, I'd say it's a massive benefit for playing the 70 games of Slaves and all the lists being fairly similar. And also, I guess we all knew once Blades of Corn came out anyway, the likelihood is the allies would disappear. So I've got reps in without Bloodstokers to try and see what what other things I could put in and 
if I'm running Sigvald with a war shrine, for example, which I think has a little bit of spice about him. But um, yeah, beautiful. It's yeah, just understanding what subtle changes you can make that don't really change the list. Um, so like, I've lost a Bloodstoker, but fundamentally the way my list wants to play hasn't changed and the way I will take it to a table hasn't either. So um, I'll find out tomorrow when I go up against Helon Techless um, <laughs> with my games that I've got planned to see if it does what I want to do. Um, and you're still very much honing into that play style. I mean, Darren's talked a lot about this before on this podcast about kind of knowing who you are as a person, having insight into how you want to play. And it sounds very much like you, you had that experience with the Sentinels and you were saying, right, that, that isn't me. That's not how I'm going to do anything. And now you've practiced so much that play style that you can sort of plug and play, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Like I knew I didn't really like the sit castle approach. Um, whereas my play style, for those that have played me, probably worked out that I like to play really aggressive and I'll go for like big dick plays over the safe one most of the time. So I want to try and put as much pressure on my opponent as possible to force them into more decision-making where I then have to do less. Mm. So if my if my opponent's having to think about the game more than I am, I know I've got them where I want them. Um, and every army that I've played since, is that's been the approach I've taken. Even with Kotet in the last edition, it was more of a castle Slaves of Darkness army but I'd be looking to Mask of Darkness, my general down the table, turn one, and look to pin their whole army in and just win on the primary. Um, so I'd go for the more, like, out there plays with a list that would inherently just sit there and wait for its opportunity. Um, and then obviously Archeon um, doesn't allow you to play Warhammer properly because he could look into the future every turn. <laughs> so you'd know if you were getting doubled or if you were doubling them, which really, really honed in on like my play style with how how aggressive you can play because it tees you up for it. Like you know when to push, mm. um, which has really helped me with working out how I want to play the game. Whereas like I took Seraphon to blackout. I think I've said it to everyone. It was like my first five and oh, and it was the worst weekend of my life. Um, <laughs> like, Interesting. It just, it just didn't. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the way it played because it sat there, and it should've just. I, I should have done. That's what I've got. I've got like ninety six skinks waiting to be built for the new book. <laughs> um, but it's a case of, um, like I say, work out what you want to play. Like I summoned two hundred and ten Saurus over five games with an engine of the gods. So my England dice are really good. Um, <laughs> great oven. Um, but um, yeah, it just, it just, but you just didn't me. enjoy it. You didn't even despite, so despite all this efficiency in your practicing and, and kind of enjoying that practice, you got the five zero, but you, but actually for you, that wasn't the be all and end all. Actually, it was how you got there. What an ungrateful yeah. bastard. He gets his five hours and didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I know, it's terrible, isn't it? Whereas, like, getting, which I think is the last 5-0 and o with the old Slaves of Darkness book, meant so much more for me because that was the army that I played with for 18 months. So to get that 5-0 and o with them was was amazing. Um, yeah, that is, that is incredible. That you... And 
like even to take it to New Mexico, Slaves of Darkness, and me and Darren being the, in inverted commas, bottom-seeded people, ready to shake <laughs> it all up. Um, and you, I took it over there, and they had no idea what my army did. And I like I played the semi-final, and I won 26-2 in Realmstone Cash. Um, which was was quite good fun, but um, <laughs> yeah. Quick like, question, Phil. Have you? I think I might be. I might know the answer to this because I'm in the same boat with my boy Nagash. But did you have a five zero with Archeon? I never did. No, only in teams, which um, I say doesn't count because um, you get put into good thanks. scenarios um, yeah. and favourable matchups. Even if I did have to play dragons twice. Um, but it was never five and over with him, but got I think it was twenty three four and ones um, in a row. Yeah, I hear um, you, man. With my, I've got a five by four. You feel with RK on? Don't worry about it. I've got <laughs> you. Flex. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, like this year, I think I've, I'm twenty eight and three with Slaves to Darkness. Mm. We had a little. We had a little. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to math say. off. Yeah, we had a math off. Yeah, well done. That's a much more eloquent way of putting it than I was <laughs> going to say. Yes, uh, between our two respective lists the other day, didn't we? Because um, yeah, yeah getting our reps in. But yeah, we we won't we won't share those stats. But um, we're both going to LVO, hoping to do quite well, aren't we? Um, but indeed, question, Phil, you obviously fundamentally understand how you like to play the game and and who you are as a war gamer. At what point in your reps journey, because I feel like, you know, you're basically the poster boy for practice makes perfect, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so at what point did you, because obviously you dumped the, the Lumineth after a short time, you know, at what point do you think you, you because you, you, obviously you said you, you got Archeon because you loved the model and that's what got you back in, you know, that play style around him and the Varangard, you know, at what point did you feel like, oh, this is me, I'm home kind of thing? Or... When he started winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was um, at what points of the game you got the most satisfaction out of or enjoyment. So, like, I like my favourite genre is fantasy. So when I think of fantasy, I don't think of people just shooting bows at each other. I think of big battles in the, in the middle, right up in the thick of it. Um, as Simon Weekly always says to me, so we're going to have a big fight in the middle, are we? And I'm like, too right. That, that's why we're here. Um, that does sound very and, Simon, uh, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it was a case of like, it might sound a bit cringe, is when I was playing with Archeon at club, just that sense of enjoyment of rolling dice in the combat phase and really immersing yourself into the hobby of yeah, this is, this is what I like. This is what I'm enjoying. I enjoy rolling all these dice in combat, um, moving down the table, put, putting the pressure on, um, rather than just sitting there and being reactive instead of proactive. Um, so it was just working out like where I got the most enjoyment out of the game and then really try to influenced the army that I took to try and give me the most enjoyment which led me to playing Archeon a couple of times yeah yeah really interesting so I'm going to ask a question that I want you all to answer and I'm going to come to Phil last 
just on purpose um, to see the answers. And I think this is a fascinating question because I talk about, well, I've talked about chess a lot on this podcast. Um, and this question has come from a few people. And the question is, and if we start with you, Owen, is there such thing as too many practice games? And how do you know that you're not practicing down a blind alley, a dead end? And related to that, there's been lots of interviews with, uh, and I've seen this myself, lots of top-level, high-level international chess players don't play any practice games before a big tournament um, because they're baseline knowledge. So I guess the question is, can practice be a bad thing? And I'll start with you, Owen. What do you think? I don't don't think it can be a bad thing per se, but um, my only fear with too much practice is, that I understand much as Phil understands who he is as a gamer. And and I'm sure both, obviously both you and Darren do as well. Like I understand that I'm a sort of um, reactionary off the cuff kind of problem solver. You know, I know how my army plays at this stage and that's why I don't make any, that's why I don't really practice the list anymore. Um, And I think perhaps if you play, a lot with the same list um, and perhaps against similar practice partners, then the game can become very formulaic to the point where perhaps you're not um, appreciating the game state and the position of your army on the table. And um, because you feel like this is what I do turn one and this is how I unpack turn two and this is how I push on turn three. So I like to, I like to feed on that, sort of bit of nervous excitement and stuff um, uh, uh, in tournaments. Um, and much like boxers, you know, they don't spar or have sex for two weeks before tournaments, uh, before fights. Um, I'm not going to tell you the last time I had sex. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this um, is Owen's advocation, everyone, for the, your next Sigma yeah, tournament. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. There's a correlation between me doing well at tournaments and um, and... Well, I'm not going to carry on with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, when things change and the addition changes and there's new missions, by all means, go in, you know, go hard, you know, get 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 that knowledge base built up. But I, I do think that there, there might be something in the argument that there's there, there can be something that's too much practice. But I, I feel that Phil may have a, a more succinct answer. Oh, well, that's, that's why I designed this question like this, you see. Darren... <laughs> What do you think? Practice going down the, a blind alley without knowing lots of practice games, but it's actually leading you the wrong way. What do you think? Bad practice. Yeah. Well, firstly, I think you can practice too much if you stop enjoying yourself. Like if you just get fucking bored or something, then then you can don't flog a dead horse. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can become uh, a little obsessive, perhaps, like trying to make sure something works. Like I really wanted to make. Sylvaneth work really back in the day and I never really got better than a than a four one with it. Um yes. just on... <laughs> and four, wow, yeah. yeah. Well I get well. Is a four one a flex? I guess so. Um I mean most I never... people, you know, the four one's pretty good for most people, I would argue, but yeah, go on. I know what you mean. No, no, no agreed, but my my aspirations are goals with a with a five O and I Yeah, yeah, fair I, enough. I spent too long trying to get that because I wanted to be the guy that got the Sylvaneth five O. You know that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. kill your ego 
take try and take your ego. What, what I like about um, some of the points that Phil was making earlier when he was t- talking about Laurie and how they can get three decent quality games done in three hours, you know, and they can be pleased with the result at the end of it, um, you know. And and, I, and both of them fucking hate losing. I'd imagine. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, They've taken their they've taken their egos out of the equation though, you know, and and that that's got them to the point where they are. So um, you can you can have too much ego, and you can you you can really flog a dead horse. Um, yeah. Yes, definitely stop when you're not enjoying yourself, and and stop if you've got to realise you've got to understand your own limits as well. You know, <clears throat> you understand your own limits. I think. And so, for your point with the Sylvaneff, what what led you to the realisation? Was it just a you tried it so often or it just, you got to the point where you're like, oh, I just can't do this anymore. Uh, it wasn't that I can't do this anymore. Oh, God, that is a good question. We're going back a couple of years and my memory is fading. Um, but I, I definitely thought to myself, like, I can't do this. I'm not good enough to use Sylvaneth in the way that they need to be used. Um, I need to find something that suits me a bit more. And what did I jump? I can't, I can't tell you what I jumped onto. But, um, oh, sure. I was more successful with that. But it just um, hit a point where you was thinking, okay, this isn't working, and I just, just stop and move to something else. Yeah, you've got to understand your limits, you know, and you've got to be, like, kind to yourself as well. Like, there's a, there's this drive to get 5-0 and be really good with fucking things, but it's okay to not be brilliant at everything. <laughs> it's okay yeah, to yeah. not be brilliant at being a reactive player. It's okay to not be brilliant at being a proactive player. You know, it's... it's it, it's fucking okay yeah. to lose games. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, Phil. What do you think yeah. from the man that practices <clears throat> a lot? Bad practice, practice down a dead end. Realization you might be doing some not so good practice. What do you think? Um, I think it probably is a bit of both. I think you can over practice. So, um, like I say, I I probably play more than most people in the UK. And I'd say the world I, probably. Yeah, um, put, put together, I'd say Phil. Yeah. So um, it do, it does get to a stage where I know like the outcome of a game before I'll even play, especially if I'm playing mates that are not as good as me. Um, then it probably isn't good practice for me to keep taking my strongest list against them because I already know how I want to play that list so I'll end up taking something else um however it is good practice for them because the only way you get better is by playing against better people and losing to people so Laurie will love me for this he's the person I've lost to the most this year but he's also the don't make his head bigger yeah (laughs) I know but do you know how many sports votes he's won as well it's outrageous um But he's the one person at club that if he's around, I always want to play because the only way I'm going to get better is by continuously upping my game by playing people that are as good as me or better than me. Um, So in terms of getting too many reps in with people that are better than you, I don't think that's ever ever an issue. Yeah, you're Um, only as good as the people you play. Fantastic. So I would say if you can get loads of reps in with people that you look up to or you aspire to be or you try and be as good as it it will only benefit your game however if you keep smashing people with your top tier list and you're going oh here's my space of darkness list that i know you can't beat let's have another game then i it's pointless whereas 
yeah, I have been trying recently to really hone in on my LVO list and it's all changed. So I've got to hone in on something else now, but I will try and chop and change things and it won't be massive changes to my list to get decent reps in. It would be, let's try out the war shrine and see if I can, what the chosen with a 3d6 charge is like, etc., and make small tweaks that I'm testing different ways of the list out against people that aren't as good without really honing in on the, the importance of winning. It's more trying the, odd variable whilst keeping most of the list the same but yeah um yeah you're changing the quality of your practice depending on who you're facing yeah um essentially and like i said i'm I'm never going to give someone a freebie because i hate losing Um, (laughs) it also it means absolutely nothing to them particularly with my close friendship group that i've got into age of sigma with me at the same time that i got into it like like I said to you earlier, they've, none of them have beaten me other than my brother. So when, when they do beat me, I want them to know that they earned it rather than giving them a win. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic. I mean, that is, that's that's awesome. All of these questions, are, I've just, I've scrolled through some of the other questions people sent in. I think we've covered the vast majority of it. Um, so I think the next bit, the next section of this was, was going to be our biggest mistakes biggest tips but i know we've been grilling you a lot phil but it's it's been awesome i mean darren owen do you have any further questions before we get on to our biggest mistakes and tips or we've covered everything you'd like to know i've got one question really which is um obviously the pace of change with the ghb is a six-month cycle so do you feel like like the way that you the amount of games that you play and the reps is this is this the the fill template now? Is this set, or do you feel like perhaps maybe I've started slowing down a bit prematurely? And I think Darren obviously has got twenty five years experience, so he's built that that knowledge base up. Do, do you feel like there's going to be a point at which you start slowing down, or do you just love it, so you just want to keep playing? Like, um, where's your head at? I guess like I've been pretty vocal on Twitter about this with various tweets at the end of years and seasons, but. Um, I love the hobby, ultimately. Um, it's been the best thing that I've done for myself in years from a personal point of view, like the social side of it and the whole community and getting that aspect in my life has been brilliant. Um, however, I think the six monthly change in GHB is an absolute blessing for me because because of the amount of games that I play in a, like, a six monthly cycle anyway, um it's quite nice to have change a bit more often otherwise i could be looking at playing nearly 300 games in the same ghb and it probably be becoming a bit um monotonous mm. whereas now like the the changes every six months will help keep it fresh and i know only half the missions have changed but it allows you to really focus on those missions instead of the ones that i've already played maybe 80 times in total um but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to the the changes in ghb i'd imagine touch wood i don't rupture my calf again so during the summer i'll probably have a little bit of time away from like real competitive aos and play play cricket for 
May till September and then look to come back and smash face September to end of April. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Like, I really enjoyed last summer with um, playing Warhammer. So I think I'll probably keep my toe dabbled in the competitive scene and maybe just try and do one event a month instead of two or three. So, yeah, but time will tell. <laughs> well, it's, we difficult, get, we get... it's difficult letting go it's difficult letting go <laughs> the addiction is real yeah exactly Ooh. exactly well I've, I, I think in the first month of the season i've already got to take two two weekends out for worlds and practice so i'm, I'm not really helping myself and then i'll probably be even more <laughs> addicted after worlds to oh you're gonna have the best time to, brother. to step up even more because um i don't like plateauing so we'll just see, keep the upward trend going, hopefully, and that might mean nice. more more <laughs> games if that's physically possible. But like I said, it'll be <laughs> I'm not sure it's possible, Phil, to play any more than you're playing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just just to warn you, Phil. Yeah, you can't get much higher than you are at the moment, mate. I mean, there's going to have to be some form of plateau, or I can be a world or... champion. Ah, mm. yeah, with the announcement. Okay, nice, perfect yeah. timing. Okay. Well, I can be a world champion twice. I can do it with England and then perhaps in Atlanta. And then maybe get the big 30-0 on the TSN rankings. That might be quite nice. Yeah, I might have yeah. to pick up Beast of Codes. I don't think you're helping, Owen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. fine. I've got to chase down the fellow Team Lit member that is Freddie Leggett at the moment. Oh, Absolutely yeah, that's balling. true. So, we've right. Team well, Lit have got the top four, so... Well, that is fantastic, Phil. Thank you very much for all of those. And I hope all the listeners appreciate it. Well, I think we covered almost all of the amazing questions that were sent in. So this this is our um, kind of biggest mistakes, top tips uh, bit. I'll start with you, Owen, if you don't mind. Um, biggest mistake or top tip for people regarding practice and, and what, what you just advise people, I guess, for to how, to, how to practice and what you do about practice? Um. I think it would probably be an amalgam of many of the points that have been raised through the course of it, really, just in terms of like, you know, recognize, you know, a, a mistake, maybe just, you know, going to the club or, or, or having, you know, perhaps a quite a limited group of mates and, and, and only playing against certain armies and always smashing, you know, I would say there's a sort of twofold mistake in terms of like, don't just, keep putting the same army on the table and losing or don't just keep putting the same army on the table and, and winning against the same small group of people because then you'll go to a tournament and, you know, you'll kind of get 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 found out if, if you know, if winning at tournaments is what you want to do, which I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are quite sort of competitive focused. Um, yeah, that would probably be, be, be it for me. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, focus. Focus on the quality of your of your of your practice rather than it just be a, a box ticking exercise of getting in X amount of games. I mean, Phil's alluded to the fact that you can put in so many reps, but also make them you know quality experiences. So yeah, mm. look at the quality of your you know if you do smash someone off in the first turn, then you know stop, tweak the list, and then re rack, and you know don't just kind of play through three hours of you know just your your your, your opponent picking the models off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Darren, biggest mistakes, top tips, anything you'd advise people to do to help them with their practice, etc. I think, so just maybe counter to what 
Owen said and Phil said sort of earlier, perhaps. Um, I think it is important to practice when you're in a winning position to make sure you finish your opponent. So, like, I was I was going to say finish off then. Um, but to make <laughs> I, sure you're, I can hear you going for it, yeah. So, you know, don't be... It's 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 good to like say okay I'm clearly going to win let's 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 re rack but in actual fact certainly if you're going for England Phil uh, and other people that have got aspirations to do to get onto teams and do really well for your teams like you need to get every fucking point right so when you're in a winning position make sure that you sometimes that you make sure that you practice being in a winning position and that you end with the result that you wanted or or an even better result than you thought you could possibly have. And also when you're playing those games and you're in the the worst position you possibly be like practice, trying to get a point or two points, you know, don't, don't, I would just caution finishing games too early all the time. Basically. I think that's a mistake personally. Um, No, I totally agree with you. And then a top tip, trying to think of reps. This is for the people that don't get, as much time to actually play sort of Warhammer. Try to think of reps as not just on the table, but writing lists. You know, I will, when a new tone comes out, I will try to write as many lists as possible and then I'll write their counter. You know, that for me is a rep and that's going to give me, that's going to give me some understanding of the tome that I've, that I've got no intention of ever playing. Um, so you can you can rep that you can rep your deployments. We've we've done episodes on list building and the importance of deployment. But get your reps in, getting your models out physically on the table. Get your reps in, moving them into their first positions. Get your reps in, thinking about you know your route to victory. Um, make sure you've got a good plan for what battle tax, tactics you're going to be using. And you can you can rep that because you can go right. I'm going to be playing against dragons in this scenario. What what's my What's my river to victory? You know, what battle tactics can I use? Okay, now I'm going to put fucking hex race on the board and I'm going to see if there's any difference in what battle tactics I should be using. So that when you're at the table and you're presented by these problems, you can recognize situations quicker and you can already have a path to success, you know, Mm. thought about before. And that's really important because that's what my success has been. I'm one of the most prepared people at the tournament. You know, I, I think I'm not, mechanically good at the game but i'm very fucking prepared um mm, yeah. just trying to think of reps in terms of not just you know physically playing someone but you can get reps in any time you just use your fucking head the more you yeah, think yeah. about something then the better you'll be at thinking about something you're practicing it um yeah, but yeah. also um the more you look the more you see that would be what i'd like that's perfect. my biggest tip the more you look yeah. the more you see yeah perfect phil um Top tip or biggest mistake you see with people doing guarding kind of practice? Um, I'd say the biggest mistake, particularly that I've made, is um, assuming when you are meeting new people to play, they have the same understanding as competitive that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so an example, I I rocked up to Dice Saloon maybe last year and said, I'm looking for a competitive game. So... Um, for a tournament and some guy said yeah 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 I'm really keen I've got a competitive list that I also want to play with Um, and he bought his KO and I was like okay that's it's going to be interesting I've not played against KO before so I'll do my reading realised they could do all this massive amounts of rend and I was like oh this could be quite dicey Um, and then I played him with my Archeon list and 
I gave him the turn and he put all his boats down the board, but not within range to shoot me. I doubled him and I took it all off. And um, he was very negative on a social media platform about the play experience that he received. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a case of, yeah, like I say, if, if I if predetermined what I meant by competitive and actually said, look, I've got a list that is capable of winning events and that's my intent to play it. What are you playing with? And also try and gauge their experience. It's something that I now do when I'm seeking local games with people outside of my play group. I'll, I won't be afraid to name drop that I play for England and my intent is I'm going to try and push a shit in, but I want a tough, but I want a tough game. So I'll pre-warn people and just say, look, this is this is the type of game I'm after. Um, this is my experience with the army and what's yours. And I'm not afraid to say after their response that if I'm not interested then, because I know it's not going to be beneficial for either of us. If I want just a normal game, then I can get that locally. If I want a, another super competitive game when other people aren't around, um, then I'll try and do that. And then I yeah. guess my top tip would be not to not to be scared to ask questions in practice games, particularly against people that you know are better than you um, or you know you're into a bad matchup. Like, even if it's how would you deploy, what would you do with this priority? Like, what is your, what should my main targets be? Um, because that will also benefit you in practice as well, because you're then teaching them the way to beat you, um, yeah. which gives yourself the best practice in game as well. So my tip is don't, don't be afraid to ask questions to your opponent. Um, but you do also have to ask those questions to people that you know would be honest with you because even if you hate losing, um, you don't want to lie to your mates just so you can win. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot just because if obviously if you can't get that lovely example where you said you're playing both sides of the coin, you can just ask your opponent if they're better and they can tell you the answer and that might get similar results. Yeah, I like that a lot. Great. Right. As time is dragging on, we have our last section. So... Darren, do you want to... Uh... I'm not doing it, Alex. You're doing it with one of your filters. <laughs> yes! <laughs> right, here we go. <clears throat> um, which one should I use? Let's use... Oh, fucking right! What was he going to use? <laughs> How about I use this one? Is that nice for you? <laughs> the misplays! <laughs> Perfect. That sounded like Darren's atmosphere uh, voice, didn't it? Yeah, I should use that one. I don't I haven't used that's 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 Warcraft Gnome for any uh microphone aficionados out there. Warcraft Gnome was the um, was the sound effect. Um so if you couldn't hear through my gnome accent, um misplays. So who wants to start us off? Uh, I know Phil's got a massive one, so should we leave Phil to the end? Let's leave Phil to the end. Shall I start? Yeah, go for it. Right. So um, I've got a lovely one. Well, we all know the ones I love. I love the I'm too excited misplays. <laughs> They're my favourites. And you all done it because all of you send in them and you're all sending your two. Ex- Everyone stop being so bloody excited. Um, 
this is another I'm too excited from uh, Francesco. So Team Italy, Francesco, who oh, sends in Italy. lots of messages to us. It's very and really nice messages about psychology as well. And he sends in this one. Um, he was playing uh, for Team Italy against Spain with his uh, his 27 Dragon Ogre Beast lists. And he was playing against a Dragon and Long Strike build. And he says he was playing in a three central objectives where one's worth more points. And um, he, his opponent had the decision who to go first. And he thought, right, he's going to shoot off my bits and I to deploy like this. And his opponent gave him the first turn, unexpectedly. So, Francesco, stop being so excited. He got too excited. And, <laughs> and just ran straight into the middle onto the objectives and thought, brilliant, I've won this game. I'm on all these objectives. You got no chance clearing me off all of these, and then it came around to the dra- uh, to the dragon long strike build turn, and the dragon player moved all the- all his dragons around to the herdstone and did a uh, smash rubble on a three plus, yeah. and then cleared him oh, off. No. <laughs> so he went, oh bugger! And so that is, I'm too excited. So <laughs> thank you for that, Francesco. Um, yeah, I like the I'm too excited ones. So all of you, just remember. Don't get too overly excited. So, yeah, thank you very much. Right, Darren. I've got one of my own that I've been using as an example. Um, and the reason I want to do it, um, or the reason that I've been using it as an example, is I want to drill it into my fucking head. It's not particularly fun or, or clever, um, but it's one that's plagued me. I played um, one of my Fight Night games Um and I was using um, Cities of Sigma. And I was in melee with a unit of Outriders into some snakes. And I wanted to hold them in place so that another unit could come in and charge them. You know, and I could, I could, <laughs> I could it's amazing how many times I say finish them off. Um, so I could finish <laughs> them off. And um, I know I thought to myself, right, I've got to do my sequencing correct. I'm going to do all my movement force first. And then I'm going to move my Outriders so that they can't redeploy. And of course, they've got like movement 12 outriders or movement 10, something like that. Um, so they can land outside of nine, but I only moved them six. So, of course, my opponent just redeployed and I can no longer fucking charge them. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a stupid fucking error. So I have used this as an example um, with my all the one to ones and the charity one to ones I've done <laughs> recently to drill it into my fucking head so I don't do it again. Um, yeah, so just a really, really stupid misplay that's really pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, that misplay, Darren, has helped other people not to make the same mistake. So, exactly, perfect. that's the point. Right, Owen. Um, I've just got one from the weekend at Brotherhood where even you know, talking about reps, and yeah, I don't need to practice and all this jazz. Um, you know, I still made a bit of a boo-boo, um, which was I played against um, lovely Byron from Facehammer. Oh, and he's been pushing around two more crushes and a rogue idol um, in Iron Sons. So I kind of hadn't played Orcs a great deal, but I knew that, you know, triple mighty destroyers, basically, if, the, if, the, if these boys wanted to move across the board, they could. So I set up what I thought was a really nice deployment. I set up that in case he gave me turn one, I could auto six a unit of liberators up the board and then tag an objective, get one, two more, and then also be with, be within 12 of all three of these big beasts to shut down the mighty destroyers. Nice. And then I had all my screens set up. So 
there was 5.1 inches between the front of the screen and then the next unit. So if he smashed and bashed, the two-inch range on the um, more crushers couldn't touch um, any of my stuff that was behind, like my Forminators or my Dragon or my Slam. Mm-hmm. So I felt really happy with my deployment. And then he took first turn and he duly mighty destroyers everybody forward. And he put, you know, he, he was putting his more crusher forward and who was within three inches of my libs. And then he put his um, rogue idol up and on my right flank, I had a unit of liberators that were nicely spaced and my fulminators were just behind, but just it triggered a redeploy. And I thought I could be even cuter and basically make his, um, other more crusher with the aid of a piece of terrain have to go all the long way around my left flank and basically do nothing and be sat there ready to be smashed off by my fulminators. Um, I failed to remember that he had the get beat, which is <laughs> a six charge. So the redeploy, which I thought was moving this diagonal lineup to create a lovely sort of zone, bit of zone control actually just opened up a perfect six inch gap. He then duly, rolled the three up to get the 3d6 charge, rolled the 12-inch charge that he needed to jump the screen, and one-banged off my fulminators on the first turn. Wow. Oh, savage. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, savage. Um, so, yeah, that was um, quite a big punish for what was initially what I thought to be quite a cute little move. So, um, yeah, maybe I should have just stuck with my plan. But, yeah, that was my misplay. Lovely. Nice. Phil, misplay. Um, we're going to stick with the face hammer trend. Um, I played <laughs> yeah. Russ Russ Veal at Bloodshed last year, or yeah, last year, twenty twenty two, and this is probably my fifteenth tournament with Archeon. Um, pretty comfortable with him. I've given Russ the turn. He's sent his Nurgle army down the table slowly towards me, and I'm like, okay, I know, I know what I need to do here. So hmm. I look into the future. Um, I've checked the dice and I'm quite happy with it apparently so I um, <laughs> decide I'm going to push and I'm going to send everything down and going to try and take him off and I failed a lot of charges and I just managed to do my battle tactic and I then looked in the cup again at the end of the turn to <laughs> show Russ that I was doubling him and um I wasn't doubling him, and Russ, Russ was holding priority, which led to me losing six Varengard, um and most of my other units that can score objectives. Um, and I had this sheer panic of, oh God, how do I now win this game? And luckily, Archeon did me a solid and won priority ever since, and went through his whole army. With a Chaos Lord. So um, that is my biggest misplay for someone that plays the game so much to not read a dice properly. It's just beautiful just beautiful imagery in that of you looking all... You must have been feeling really smug. Yeah, we're going to go to town. You open up the cup. Fuck, it's a three. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was, I was spitting feathers. What I liked about that as well is Russ would have been like subconsciously picking up the fact that you were really super confident. So in his head, he must have been like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, I've got the (laughs) 10. He he was like, like, I thought you were doubling me. And I was like, so did I, Russ. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, well, I guess guess I'll just try and kill everything then. I was like, yeah. 
Sure. Well, there you go. There you go, Phil. My top tip for you is to double check your cup and your dice when you do it in the future. It's gone now, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Thank you very much. That's great. Right. I think that's that's us at the end of this podcast. So I think all that's left for me to say is thank you very much, Phil. Sorry if you felt like you were grilled a bit on this one, but um, it was fascinating to hear, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed um, listening to that. So thank you very much for coming on. And, um, Absolute pleasure. Us know. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, enjoy the rest of your next 200 million games that you'll be practising over the next few months. So, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> thanks, Darren. Thanks, Owen, um, as always. Um, for everyone else, do send your questions in to us. We love getting the questions. We love your piss takes and your and all the all the videos that get sent in it's absolutely amazing so do send us either through to darren or owen or to the miscast twitter feed and we will get to answer them can you, can you sign off in a voice please yeah come on sign off in a voice but a sexy one is there a sexy one is there a sexy one does warcraft yeah. do sexy um <laughs> i'll tell you what i'll do oh god there's some real dark ones on here so i'm not going to say that one um Let's just do this one. So, thank you very much to everyone um, for listening. So, thanks again. Be kind, look after each other, and we'll catch you all next time. So, cheers. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) All done. Thanks. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 